Now, Doctor, we all know the moon is not made of green cheese. But what if it was made of beer? Would you drink it then? It's a simple question, Doctor. Would you drink the moon if it was made of Pilsner? What if it was an IPA? I know I would. I'd chug that bad boy and polish it off with another beer. Hey! Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back. This is our 187th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are the internet's premier podcast for bad movies and mostly good beer. Tonight, we continue our look at films that flopped hard in 2022 with Moonfall. I am Bling Blake, and I will be your host for the evening. Along with me tonight for this disastrous, disaster flick dissection are the hippie guy who was right the whole time, Chumpzilla. Hey, just like Donald Sutherland, I don't know why I'm here. And the joint chief that just wants to fire nukes before he dies, the thunderous wizard. We have to get... We have to fire the nukes. Kill, kill, kill. <laughs> Wait, is that is that uh, Mars Attacks or is that uh, Dr. Strangelove or both? Probably both. All I was hoping for was that somebody would fire a nuke directly at my bedroom window so I didn't have to finish this movie. It's, it's not you're not you're not being as fair to this as I want you to be. Now, points of order. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. And Wobam Entertainment at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T. Moonfall is currently available to stream for free on HBO Max, but you could also buy it if you want to throw away your money. Uh, I think I think you should take the free option. <laughs> I I personally feel like HBO Max owes me like three dollars for this. I think that that this is movie is worth owning just out of posterity's sake, even if you think it is the worst movie ever mm, made. So, it's worth being in the collection. You've got worse things in your collection, Thunderous. Oh, Wizard. for sure I do. But rumor has it if you contact HBO's customer service, they will give you 25% mm. of your monthly feedback mm. for watching. For having watched so, Moonfall? Yeah. Well, it's still on there, guys. Uh, at least one more month for sure. All right, let's talk beer. Tonight, we are drinking Space Dust IPA by Elysian Brewing Company out of Seattle, Washington. Space Dust features Chinook, Citra, and Amarillo hops, which balance bitterness with the sweetness of hop flavors. This beer gives off grapefruit, mango, and orange aromas. It has a medium body with a dry finish, and it pours a golden amber color with about two fingers of head. Space Dust does carry a Captain Cash approved 8.2%. And it definitely packs a punch. Uh, I I like this beer. Um, it definitely has a very strong flavor profile with uh, with plenty of bitterness. Um, and alcohol aside, I I just don't know how many like how many of these I could really put down. Uh, Chumpzilla, how many bad movies would you be willing to sit through uh, while drinking it? Well, give me a moment here. Now I've had this once or twice in the past, but. Yeah, 
I hate to say it, but this is a pretty middle of the road uh, IPA for me. Yeah, it's a bit middling. I mean, it's got a decent like hoppy flavor, but it's not super smooth and drinkable in my opinion. And it does taste a little boozy because it, it just, it's not covering that up enough for me. So I'm going to give this one bad movie. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I love that you were able to find the pounders of it. I thought the guy at my Maristop was an insane person for selling me a 12 pack of these bad boys. Oh, good uh, Lord. Yeah, keep your eyes on the newspapers uh, this week you, in Southwest Ohio. There might be some, some reports of old bling running naked through the quad on my yeah. way to the gymnasium. Um, but I'm right there with you. I think uh, one to one and a half bad movies. Uh, I think you and I both know that that once I have two or three of these in the first movie, I'm probably going to keep going until I have a really bad headache the next day. So, um, you know, that that is uh, your mileage may vary on that one, but I'm with you right there. Yeah. Uh, let's put it this way. Uh, this uh, space dust, it's no too hard. It. No, like, this uh, I don't is, like this, to... this tastes like the Kmart version of too hearted to me. Um, I've had this in many an airport. And it is definitely a good alternative to Bud Light or Sam Adams at an airport. But aside from that, yeah, I can't really recommend it. You you see it everywhere. And I do think it is telling that the the label is literally a hophead throwing up stardust. Um, mm. yeah. uh, I believe it says here on the can that they uh, let's see the, the hopping is pure star glow energy. Uh, so they must have captured a white dwarf in order to make this as strong as it is. I I know when you get a few IPAs and you bling, you get that twinkle in your eye and you just look at me and you say, take this IPA, take this IPA. <laughs> All right, moving on back to our disaster flick. Moonfall was written, directed and produced by the king of disaster flicks, Roland Emmerich himself, that crazy German. Uh, you have definitely seen his movies before. Stargate, uh, Independence Day, Godzilla. Are we even allowed to mention that Godzilla on this podcast? You have to add the disclaimer, Godzilla 98. Godzilla 98. Chicken, chicken legs Godzilla. Yeah. Little bitch, can't breathe fire Godzilla. <laughs> Just nothing. Uh, he also did The Patriot, which I personally love. Uh, I believe that brought me uh, into orbit with heath ledger i can't remember if it was that or a knight's tale that i saw first but oh come way. on 10 things i hate about you what are we doing here oh yeah, yeah. you're right 100%. I, 10 things was first you're right i want you to want me i want you <laughs> i want you i mean i'm sorry but like 10 things about the 10 things i hate about you is like the first movie where it's like okay i now i now have a bike curious threesome fantasy um i love He's that movie. very handsome I and, saw and, a Knight's Tale in theaters, and I also love that movie to this oh, day. Oh yeah, that's uh, a keeper. Is that is that is that the one that does like the Queen? Do do yeah yeah. The, and, and Martin Lawrence. No, that's no, Black that's, Knight. Totally okay. Different, Knight. different totally, movies. Totally okay. different movie. Yeah, those are Never not mind. not the same. Okay. Uh, he also gave us uh, the disaster flicks the day after tomorrow and 2012, as well as that really weird prehistoric flick 10,000 BC. And is that the Will Ferrell the one? Is might as no, well be. That's uh, about... Land of the Lost. Totally. Oh, <laughs> again, okay. Totally, nope. totally different, di movie. Di no. different, different movies. Okay. It's closer to year one, uh, with uh, uh, Jack Black and Michael Sarah, like that one. It's like mm -hmm. the sexless scary. version of Quest for Fire. 
10,000 BC. Oh, is that the Ringo Starr um, uh, caveman movie? I think that was just called Dinosaur, right? The one with Ringo Starr. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's the... better than 10,000 BC. So, oh, geez. So, by and large, I, I actually tend to uh, enjoy this guy's movie, certainly his earlier stuff more than his more recent. Uh, and I know I'm definitely in the minority on this one, but I mm. still was able to get through this without too much crying. Um, it does star Patrick Night Owl Wilson. And hold uh, on. Welcome back to the pod, Patrick Wilson. From welcome back to the, the Alamo. That's right. Your film debut. Uh, Hallie Stormberry. Also, welcome back to the pod from the program. Hell yeah. John Samuel Tarley Bradley. And we also get Michael Pena and a really interesting cameo from Donald Sutherland for some reason. That's one way to describe it. I think I it's think funny he, that he was billed as st- also starring Donald Sutherland, and it was clearly a two-minute camp. He just wandered from a uh, JFK reunion. Uh, <laughs> they're like, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, we could use you. Conspiracies. Yeah. <laughs> I am not going to ruin anything from the, the quiz later when I tell you that uh, I believe the reason he was on this is that his son was a partial financial backer of the film. And that is why we ended up with Donald Sutherland. Wait, so Kiefer's a big Roland Emmerich? No, fan? not Kiefer, the other one. Oh, oh, Skarsgård. Fiefer? Yes. Yeah, I believe <laughs> it's believe it's believe it's Beefer Sutherland. Beefer Sutherland. Yeah, he's the heavier set of the twins. <laughs> yeah, he's the Stephen Baldwin of the Sutherlands. Uh, I'll I'll look up his name at the break, but uh, I I think that is the answer to that question. I did uh, believe I, I saw that in passing. Released in February 2022, Moonfall was a disaster movie that was an absolute disaster at the box office, bringing in only about $19 million in North America and a worldwide take of only about $67 million. So clearly, uh, a lot of that came from Germany, uh, where they were rooting for the home team, I guess. Yeah, man. Uva Bull all the way. Wait, this, this, this is an Uva Bull movie, right? That, that just... Not- might Roland well Emmerich, that's just a that's just a pin name for Uva Bowl. No, different people. Well okay, be. never mind. Uh, that is against a budget upwards of a hundred and fifty million. Uh, Which I mean, I'll be honest with you, Bling. Like as much as I don't like this movie, I you could tell they spent some money on it. It that does make it one of the most expensive indie films ever produced. Mm. Uh. The reviews and scores for Moonfall are actually all over the place. There's really no consensus on this one. Uh, It does sit at about 36% on Rotten Tomatoes with 214 reviews, but doubles that with an audience score of 70%. It has a 41 on Metacritic. Cinema score gave it a C plus. And yet on post track, it has a 66% positive score with 49% saying they would definitely recommend it. So, I got to bring back one of my old uh, angry Thunderous Wizard things when I would watch a movie that was uh, what I would think nearly unwatchable. And then I'd look at the Rotten Tomato score and it'd be better than Batman vs. Superman, (laughs) which this is by 9%. And absolutely not. And a 70% audience score. Listen, I get it. You can get slight enjoyment out of this thing, but... I'm going to have to print off the fucking chat board from moviepoopshoot.com and just go start 
ringing doorbells. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I think you know, much to Doctor Bling's chagrin here, I think some of that is probably some sarcastic reviews, because this movie is objectively terrible. Like even as genre schlock, it is not good. And it's strange because you can tell there was money, a decent amount of money spent on it, and yeah. there are decent actors in it, including you know uh, Academy Award winner Halle Berry. Yet it's it's not good. It's it's not and it's not even good like in a B movie sense. Like it doesn't even check that box. I'll say this: it's better than Independence Day Resurgence. So oh, oh. so there you go. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You're 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 putting a nice cushion under this movie. You're saying like, it's not the it's not it's not worse than some things you own, and you're putting above the Independence Day sequel. To listen, the the reason we got Moonfall is because Roland Emmerich hadn't made a decent movie in twenty years, so he'd <laughs> run out of real estate. Yeah, well, you know, I think this was a bit of a hail mary in that regard. Like, this was a big swing. I'll give him some credit. Uh, hey, you know what? We don't have Captain Cash with us. Oh, yes, we do. But I will say you probably don't miss this hard unless you're swinging for the fences. That's an old Captain Cashism. Welcome to the pod, Captain Cash. Yes. This was like the weirdest live adaptation of Majora's Mask I've ever experienced. I really thought there'd be at least, you know, a sword. Wow, did, coming in did hot you, with a mega nerd take. Well done. Yeah, did you yeah, miss wow. the scene where Samuel Tarley had the Deku mask? It was just I, spitting Deku seeds at Patrick Wilson. I I feel like that's definitely how Roland Emmerich directed scenes in this. He just would spit nuts at people, and it was left <laughs> to the actors to decide what did was that because I did it good or bad and. Who knows? Wait, Dance what, monkey. What does Dance. What does sunflower seeds mean? What 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 do walnuts mean? What what does any of this mean? Wait, sunflower seeds, and we're in a, a show called Moonfall. Wait a minute. Oh, how deep does this go? Oh my goodness. All right, we're getting in the weeds, and we haven't even gotten to our one sentence descriptions yet, uh, listeners. Uh, it is the NASA tech that fled before being ordered to. Captain Cash is here with us. So I have to say that I'm I'm not surprised by the disparity here. Critics don't like dumb disaster movies, and people that went to see Moonfall got exactly what they were expecting. So I, I can't say that I'm surprised at the the gulf between our critics and our audience scores. Um, we will get to our ratings after the plot. Uh, I was going to say that I'm I'm curious to see if you guys are as all over the map as the rest of the world is on this one, but. Uh, obviously not. The, the, there is a strong, strong camp uh, already. So we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun tonight. Uh, but getting into it, let's get into our one sentence descriptions. Let's start with Thunderous Wizard. So if you thought Superman fighting Nuclear Man was the dumbest shit to ever happen on a big screen on the moon, I present you the entirety of Moonfall. All right. I won't say it's fair, but it is a take. Chumpzilla, <laughs> uh, what have you got for us? Roland Emmerich seems to have fed Chat GPT all of his previous scripts in order to generate his latest alien slash disaster movie, the painfully stupid Moonfall. That one is a little bit more fair, and I would say maybe fed all previous science fiction movies into the into the Chat GPT, but uh, that's <laughs> fine. You can, you can keep it to just his. That's fine. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. 
you can't prove it wasn't created that way. You absolutely cannot. Captain Cash, what have you got for us? A man tries to rediscover himself after a work accident leaves him divorced. Also, Game of Thrones is here. Yep, that that oh, is uh, wait, wait, that is right. And I guess and I guess the moon falls. I mean, kind of. The what moon I... is uh, what was the butthole machine that uh, was <laughs> voiced by? Uh, oh, this... you're gonna Orson have to Wells. narrow it down for Chumzilla. <laughs> Just, there, there's Orson lots, Wells, of, yeah. lots of things could be uh, a butthole um, machine. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, Unicron. Uh, Unicron. The, yeah. Unicron. The, the moon Unicron. is actually a benevolent Unicron. Uh, who got in a fight with Skynet and uh, found himself in trouble. So he created the Matrix to lure a goofy scientist to help him. Look, and as long as it has a decent Weird Al song, I'm I'm there for it. Oh, this movie dared to be stupid. <laughs> there it is. You guys can hate on this movie all you want, but I've never seen a movie make the moon a character. So here's mine. Moonfall is what happens when successful Hollywood people read conspiracy theories and get enough money that nobody can tell them not to do something. Our actual IMDb description, a mysterious force knocks the moon from its orbit and sends it hurtling on a collision course towards Earth, which is not a lie. No, that's technically true, but the movie is so much more than that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's essentially the first uh, 10 minutes. Other than that, uh, mm -hmm. we're leaving a lot out. Yeah. And uh, of what we are leaving out, let's let's get to it. Let's get into the plot. Uh, I overcooked this a little bit. So please feel free to jump in and interrupt me uh, as you see fit. In 2011, astronauts Brian Harper, Jocinda Joe Fowler, and a red shirt named Marcus are on a space shuttle mission to repair a satellite. While they are arguing over the lyrics to Toto's Africa, a swarm of alien nanobots attacks the shuttle, sending the red shirt hurtling off into space to die a horrible death and knocking Joe unconscious before tunneling into the surface of the moon. Brian, the only witness of the swarm, returns, to the crippled, returns the crippled shuttle to Earth and is initially hailed as a hero, but eventually his story is dismissed and he is fired from NASA for reasons. Yeah, super weak start there. Just it's the motivations, like the ominous tone is set, but none of it makes any sense. Now, granted, maybe that's just set up for something that comes later, and it sort of does, but not a great start because it doesn't really grab you super hard. But anyway, moving on. Yes, but if he's never fired, then you can't have the, you know, most overused action movie trope of we need Brian Harper. Why? He's the only one. He's the best. He's yeah. the only man that can fly a shuttle without electronics. He's the only one who's ever landed a shuttle without power. And, and you know, the thing about this really strikes me is also being slightly like a moon landing denier type fantasy, which sort of turns me off um, just like a principle. But also there's like a, like a mathematical principle that's applied to conspiracy theories. So, like, the more people that are involved in the cover-up, like, the shorter the amount of time you could feasibly keep it actually secret is. And there's, like, math behind this that's, like, empirically proven to a certain extent. So, like, the ability of NASA to cover something like this up is actually pretty limited. 
especially over the long run. But I digress. Well, the government shot JFK, so three people have never kept a secret. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying you can't. I'm not saying you. You. It's not impossible, but it's like it has a shelf life. Did you just try to bring math into Moonfall? Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, we're gonna get into some math later. Yeah, there's math to come. Ten years later, conspiracy theorist slash janitor slash fast food worker KFC Houseman, played by Sam Tarley, believes the moon is a megastructure. So he goodwill huntings his way to secretly using time on a research telescope and discovers that the moon's orbit is decaying and will eventually collide with the Earth. He tries to tell NASA by calling the gift shop, and that doesn't work super well at all, so he shares his findings with disgraced Brian at a public speaking engagement at the observatory where he's talking to a bunch of school children, which also, why are they asking the guy that got famously fired from NASA to come talk to kids? At the- and honestly, if he knew what he knew, he would already be dead. But let's not worry about that. Uh, one of my big like- beefs with the plot of my many beefs is they've been covering this up knowing full well if they just ran the numbers, this was going to happen eventually. So they just chose not to do anything. Well, that's I mean, oh why, wait no that does make sense yeah that's why Donald that's why <laughs> Donald does sense. the Donald move later yeah I, I mean uh, yeah I mean it, it it seems like there's a very uh, very limited scope to their plan here well do you, NASA what do we do fuck it all right let's let's go have beers see how it plays out we're, we're just gonna fire Patrick Wilson and pretend it's not gonna happen it's all good they've been covering it up since the the sixties. Well, NASA also discovers this anomaly and tries to keep it a secret again, but KC goes public on social media, leading to a global panic. Joe, who is now NASA's deputy deputy director, is going to launch a spacecraft to investigate the abnormality, and when she does, the exact same alien swarm attacks and kills that crew, too. Fast forward to the lunar orbit continues to deteriorate. The moon falls closer and closer to Earth, causing seismic and gravitational disturbances, which is probably the only cool part of this movie. Joe goes and meets former former NASA official Holden Field, played by Donald Sutherland in just some basement in Cali, uh, who reveals that (laughs) Brian was discredited due to a NASA cover-up dating back to Apollo 11. Yeah, we're not going to talk about how all of NASA leadership now lives in L.A. and not Houston, but that's fine. Don't worry about that. That's just one of those things. Uh, just, Donald Sutherland as aged Laszlo Hollyfeld from True Genius. Hey, there are there are plenty of NASA facilities in California. It's entirely feasible that Jocinda, the new deputy director, was in fact there. It's It's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. I'm just saying there are enough basements in California. Eventually, you find Donald Sutherland. He's just he's hanging in out in at least one of them in a yep. in a dope ass electric wheelchair. Well, it is Sutherland who reveals that Brian was discredited due to a NASA cover up dating back to Apollo 11. Uh, during the first moon landing, a two minute radio blackout was actually meant to conceal evidence of pulsating lights on the surface. This is actually a thing that happened as the Apollo 11 astronauts were approaching the lunar surface. 
both via telescope and through the astronauts' own eyes. They did see what they described as neon-like lights uh, on the surface of the moon that they could not explain and have never been explained. This is a thing called transient lunar phenomenon uh, that is documented. You can look it up. Check it out. Wow. There's some yeah. there's some wild-ass moon conspiracy theories out there. That's because uh, it's a megastructure. Yeah. It's a megastructure. It's hollow. I, I attend a uh, conspiracy uh, forum at my local Motel 6 bi-weekly, Tuesdays, and we talk all about megastructures. <laughs> I'm sure you do. That's no uh, moon. Well, it could be a Death Star. Mm. Apollo 12 also found evidence that the moon was hollow. Basically, the U.S. government knew that this was going to happen all along. So, with help from her ex-husband, General Doug, very convenient, who is now the Air Force Chief of Staff. Talk about a power couple. Joe requisitions an EMP and rescues the retired space shuttle Endeavor from a goddamn museum to serve the new mission to save the moon uh, and destroy the swarm. Brian, Casey, and Joe launch with the EMP, narrowly escaping uh, to orbit as a tsunami destroys Vandenberg Air Force Base. And... Uh, Apparently, they were able to make a museum relic spaceflight capable in a matter of hours with a skeleton crew, uh, uh, not in Florida. Hold on. That's not that crazy. We've all seen the documentary Battlefield Earth. That so, is a, oh, very true. Yeah, yeah, it happened. We, we know that museum pieces are flight ready at any given moment. They have to be. What happens mm -hmm. if Cylons attack? Exactly. You got to have those jets ready to go. Space shuttles, I'm assuming, are no different. What if I mean, this woman needs a ride somewhere? The same thing happened in Top Gun Maverick, so I'm going to give it a pass. That what was if, in a. What if was Tom Cruise needs to fly away from his gay thoughts? <laughs> An air garage? Uh, oh, he, oof, slider. You stink. Dumb plot stink. point number two. They evacuate this entire facility. And it's just the three of them now having their big hero talk. And then suddenly there's a host of crew back and two computer geeks who had left. They came back. Goddamn precious. You like, think what? that is dumb thing number two. I like, mean, I've like skipped about half 15 in. things, all right? <laughs> Listen, I try to meet a movie on its own terms. I'm just going to let it go that a museum period piece flies. It's just... The moon is a hollow thing that's attacking Earth. Okay, I'm gonna I, gonna let a lot go. As you all taught me on my very very first appearance on this pod, it's not that Say kind it. of movie. NTKM baby, get that on a shirt. It is not that kind of movie. Well, they eventually reach the interior of the moon, uh, which does give us the one quotable line by by Sam Tarley, where he says that's. That's just the coolest sentence anyone's ever said. Which the inside of the moon is revealed to be a Dyson sphere. Everybody who was just like, yeah, I know what that is. Which I didn't. I had to Google that. Um, we can talk about it later. But the Dyson sphere is powered by a captured white dwarf star at its center. The moon's AI operating system explains to Brian, by the way, that makes the moon a character now, that billions of years ago, humanity's technologically advanced ancestors were eradicated by a rogue AI. They built the moon as an interstellar arc to create and seed life on Earth. But the swarm, 
one of the malicious AIs discovered the moon and is siphoning energy from its power source, destabilizing its orbit with the intent to kill all life on Earth and finally eradicate the universe from the scourge that is humanity. This is when John Connor's VO cuts in and goes, we didn't stop Judgment Day. We only postponed it. If this turned out to be a Terminator sequel, does that make this movie better? Is it so? It's Terminator Moon. That is Sky, the Skynet yeah. Moon under, moon under a Sky. It's the uh, under a Skynet Moon. It's finally like, the fulfillment of the Shermanator. I feel like my <laughs> I feel like my my Thetans are getting angry here. Ah, uh, well, if this crazy convoluted Moon AI alien. Wait, hold ancestor... on. Can we just all agree? Can anybody here legitimately say they understand what was just described? Like I that right at that point, I've never had a movie lose me so hard. I mean, it's literally like that episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force with the 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 Christmas ghosts of Thanksgiving past, the robot thing is like millions of years ago. And he talks about this weird Santa Claus thing. It's a complete non sequitur. Like that's what this felt like. I'm like, what? Well, let me what? just let me put it in a very simple terms for you. Sure. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I still remember how the... Sorry. Oh, you want me to keep going? I'll keep singing. When a mommy moon loves a Mm. daddy moon very much, sometimes they capture a white dwarf and make a baby moon. Wait, what are we? No, seriously, no. I mean, I, I mean this in all seriousness. I've never had a movie lose me so hard the movie lost itself so i i don't think you're going to say this is another one of those it they said magic words to mean thing they spoon fed it to you they were setting you up for this Uh, all along somebody had to build the mega structure obviously it was ancient aliens which are rothschilds wait you stop it okay never mind meanwhile if that plot wasn't convoluted enough for you there's a whole subplot going on back on Earth that has nothing to do with our main characters. Brian's son, Sonny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they call the son Sonny. <laughs> Listen, I can put up with this doesn't make sense science. It's goofy. It's silly. I cannot put up with the laziness, which was we need a name for the son. Ah, fuck it. Uh, Sonny, it's a placeholder. We'll come back. It could have been worse. His name could have been Mooney. Yeah, but, oh, his daughter could have been Daughtery? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Daughtery? Anyway. Uh... So Sonny, who has been incarcerated, that was also a, a brief little legal interlude that happened here. We had a, we got a courtroom scene in this movie. Uh, Joe's yes. son, Jimmy, and his nanny, Michelle... Mm-hmm. Try to reach Doug's military bunker. Doug is uh, Joe's ex-husband, who was also the Air Force Joint Chief. And don't forget the stripper and the first lady. No, that's the other one. Oh, okay, never mind. Try to reach Doug's military bunker in the Colorado Mountains, which is presumably NORAD. And they find Brian's ex-wife, who is Sonny's mother. Her name is Brenda. And her husband, Tom, played by the criminally underused Michael Pena, uh, and their step family along the way. 
Uh, they're also escaping disasters caused by the moon's proximity and also fighting off hillbilly survivors slash looters. Uh, they're assholes. Yeah, I sorry to interrupt here, Dr. Blaine, but I thought that was like a, an interesting take for the movie, but it just didn't like really fit into the pacing very well. Because I agree, you probably would get some dickheads like, you know, roving bandits and whatnot in a situation like this, but it didn't really serve the movie well, but it wasn't a terrible idea. None of that sequence worked. It None yeah, of that got a car chase out of necessary. it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it like on the service level, but like, yeah, at that point in the movie, things had gotten so deep, it seemed like a bit of a distraction. But no, I, I don't think that's the dumbest thing in the movie for sure. I mean, there would be bandits and roving assholes at that point in the, you know, the apocalypse. The, it, you're two hours and 10 minutes for this whole thing. And I think that if you're trying to just get something that's not just generic green screen space action slash CGI disaster stuff, like, okay, I, I can see that. Except yeah. they didn't. They just well, filmed it all in the same one road soundstage. Yeah. Green and, and screen. Like, so like all we got was, was green screen mountains anyway. Yeah. And, and to your point at this point, you've already got space and the moon and the the existential terror of of the cosmic stuff at this point dickhead looters really aren't the biggest threat there's clearly much bigger stuff going on but i mean again it wasn't the worst idea this movie had it just it's didn't a fit at this point bad idea considering the moon's proximity to earth so what are they stealing this stuff for they're all going to die anyway yeah it, yeah, it doesn't it, make it any even, sense yeah i want to die think, with think, the most stuff i, I feel you, like that's right there i think if you'd move that scene earlier in the movie it makes sense it makes things a little more like nihilistic and like you know apocalyptic but at this point yeah it just kind of feels like well that's something but everyone's already kind of screwed, so we're treading water. They they do try to give us a scene in L.A. where they're they're at the observatory. It's a it's a aerial shot of the city, and there's a lot of smoke in the background, and it's mm -hmm. not because the moon is falling, because people are rioting and losing their minds. So, yeah, I think they were going for something. I just it, it, it's the '90s. Shit was getting weird. So it was not the '90s. It was it was in February. It was 12 months ago. Anyway. The group eventually finds safety in a mountain tunnel, but when his youngest daughter runs out of oxygen, an injured Tom gives her his own firefighting apparatus. He gives his own life. Tom gives his own life, suffocating to death as the moon strips away the local atmosphere, which then comes back. Finally, the president orders a nuclear strike on the approaching moon. But Nuke does the moon! but yeah, Doug man. refuses to comply by the way a, a nuclear device would create an emp that would kill the swarm but uh three people let's keep it going no uh I'm sorry I, you lost me after nuke the moon yeah nuke the moon not that kind of movie well not guess boy. what guys doug refuses to comply and the bunker collapses shortly thereafter presumably killing doug and all of the important people for the united states government mm -hmm. Meanwhile, back on the moon, as the swarm only attacks organic life surrounded in electronic activity, KC lures the swarm away from their spacecraft with the other spacecraft, sacrificing himself to detonate the EMP, 
Joe and Brian return to Earth, reuniting with their families, and the moon's power is restored, returning it to its original orbit, but now shed of its rocky exterior. But that's not all. The operating system of the moon has now reconstructed Casey's consciousness, and the operating system appears to him as his cat, Fuzz Aldrin, that's a good part of the movie. The the cat's name, not what this is. No, that's that's uh, solid cat naming right there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And his mother remarking that they must now, air quotes here, get started. The audacity of this film to think it was going to get a sequel with this fucking ending. <laughs> it was supposed to be a trilogy. We're going to get into this, so we're not oh, talking about it right oh, now. Oh, God. Roll the Debrick. You son of a bitch. We're coming back to that after the break. And before we do, gentlemen, tell me how many beers are required to enjoy Moonfall, Captain Cash. Come on, tell us. This is an easy six. Sorry. I like, I tried to meet this movie on its own terms, but this is fucking bad. Uh, I'll give it five pain, one enjoyment, and you need to do three in the first, like, 15 minutes but once you're like okay i've had a couple drinks and i don't have to think once you accept it for what it is it hurts less it doesn't make it not hurt though yeah all right all right chumzilla what do you got for us buddy oh this is a solid six beers for me i'm not even gonna bother with pain enjoyment whatever it's just six beers to numb your existence i i I kind of agree with captain cash to an extent um the movie starts a little rough i i do feel like it has a moment there in the middle where it starts to kind of pull things together but the ending of it is just so bafflingly bafflingly complex excuse me that in and not in a good way it's just it's just a it just makes a mess of itself and it just it just wow i mean i'm not saying it's the worst movie i've ever seen but I'm also not sure that it isn't. I might have to watch it twice to really make that uh, assessment. But yeah, it's definitely all those six beers. And if you snug a couple extra in there, I wouldn't blame you. Just savage. Mm -hmm. Thunderous Wizard, are you right there? Six whole beers? This is easily six beers. This movie, and and at an hour in, I texted Chumpzilla, how is there an hour and 10 minutes left? They've already gathered the team for this mission. Why? I warned you. I this warned you. So much unearned melodrama with the family stuff because there is no character development in this movie. There's none. No hero they're... astronaut disgraced. Doesn't pay his rent. Hero again. It's the dumbest, dumbest friggin' movie <laughs> we've done in a long time. I hate it's this a movie. lot of cliches layered on top of each other, right? Yeah. I mean, that's Six pain beers. Tear my, claw my eyes out. Oh, geez. <laughs> During the sixth. Wow. Boy. Well, I'm going to bring down the average just because somebody, you know, if, if no, it's if, all right. Everybody in the room agrees it is it is the duty of the fourth man to dissent. But I'm not going to dissent that hard. It's five beers. Mostly because it's two hours and 10 minutes long. And it is dumb. But I love stupid action movies. I think stuff like this is a good time. I, I'm not going to get into pain and enjoyment, but if I guess if I had to, I'd say 
four pain, one enjoyment, um, just to, you know, numb the dumb and and get to have and get to enjoy the ride a little bit. Uh, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it like you guys do. Sure. Well, hold on, uh, Dr. Bling. I do have a question here for the panel, because this this was a bit of a rough watch, but it is kind of overly long. And I guess this is mostly directed at you, T-Dubs. Do you think if you shaved 30 minutes out of this thing, you could tighten it up and make it more tolerable? Well, tolerable is the operative term, right? And yeah. Yes, because it'd be shorter. It'd still be terrible. Any less time I spend with Moonfall yeah. dramatically improves my Moonfall experience. I'm just saying so much of this movie is stupid enough that you could probably just cut it out and it wouldn't hurt the narrative it, it at would, all. It wouldn't it hurt would the movie. It. You but might it would not still notice be the some of same it. stupid movie. Yeah, I don't know. But it wouldn't hurt that. it. But like, let's like, not go too far down this rabbit hole because we're going to get into that after the break. Fair enough. Um, and that does bring us to our first break. So we are going to hear from our brothers in beer at the Hop Nation USA podcast, even though they are no longer recording that. No, I mean, this is just like a memorial for those guys. All right. Then rest, rest in pod, brothers. Requiat in pade. We'll see you back here after the break. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back, listeners. We are here discussing Roland Emmerich's masterpiece, that is 2022's Moonfall. And we've got some lingering questions for you. The first one, I think, is pretty well agreed upon that you guys all agreed this movie should have flopped. Uh, we have a consensus on that group. Won't uh, get an argument from me. <laughs> I'll be absolutely savage here. Um, I've already made fun of the movie for being kind of dumb, but honestly, none of the visuals and or the set pieces in this movie were even particularly memorable. Like, there's nothing in this movie where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. There was no even like one scene that redeemed it, in my opinion. Like, in a movie like this, you expect there to be that Independence Day moment, like where they blow up the White House or something. This movie has a lot of effect shots. They spent a lot of money on them. Some of them don't look bad at all, but none of it really like stands out. So yeah, I mean, it's tough to sell a movie like this without a signature shot. So what, if anything, could fix this movie? Well, from what I read, Adele was going to do the theme song for this. You know, same title, Moonfall. Just like Skyfall, but she mm. didn't want to, you know, get pigeonholed. So Yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> she had to back out. With celestial bodies falling. Yeah. She didn't want to have anything to do with yeah, that. She had to that's mix fair. things up, so. Is there anything that can save this? Or is it just like, just scrap it and move I on? I don't know. Maybe not make uh, nanobots your antagonist. At least give it like some sort of personality. It's a bunch of tiny robots flying around. Well, you, you could have maybe used like a bigger star to be the antagonist and gone with like Leonardo DiCaprio. And then maybe you could have like brought somebody else in to like 
shake things up like i don't know jennifer lawrence with bad bangs or the ai recycled uh dialogue of orson wells right and then bring him back this is this is him anyway the butthole bot the butthole machine yeah and then like you know leonard nimoy as galvatron i'm gonna say approaching this completely from a how would i fix the movie not how would i make jokes about it you go crazier that's the answer it's not Mm -hmm. it's not crazy enough there need to have been a second moon that showed up that was the good moon that saved us from the evil moon and like i and while we're at it sure let's throw in the transformers too What's the thing where where somebody comes in and saves a day at the last second? There's like a there's a name for that in in movie tropes, right? They call that big damn heroes. Big damn heroes. I think that could have been cool. Like I think holy it shit, new- it's Mars. Mars is coming to help us. Yeah. I can't believe it. Oh my or, god, that's Pluto's and, music, and, and it's voiced by Tyler Kitsch. So you're saying the spare ribs inside of Mars? I think if they would have gone to something cooler with the hollow moon. Like mm-hmm. let's go HG Wells, like where there's actually a civilization inside the moon when they get there that is trying to wage war on the earth for some reason. Like they're mad at us. And like, they finally after 50 billion years reached their breaking point. Like, I, I don't know, but the and people of earth have had it too good for too, too long. long. And we get a cutaway of Billy Corgan, like I told y'all. Right? You saw my video in the 90s. Like, try to tell you. The moon is a vampire. <laughs> Better yet, the benevolent moon is Harry Carey, and he literally literally eats the moon. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm back. It is made of cheese. I'm hungry. I, I tell you. Has anybody got any tortilla chips? Hi. Ah. All right. So it sounds like no. There's there's nothing that could fix this short of a complete and total rewrite of the entire plot. Roland Emmerich went on to say that he wanted this to be a trilogy. He originally envisioned this story as the beginning of a trilogy. And apparently he shared some of his ideas with John Bradley. And that is why we got our, uh, obviously he would have been involved as the now, as he's now the moon uh, in these future movies. And he was quoted, John Bradley, as saying, the sequels would be even more batshit crazy. So should we get a sequel to see where this space epic goes? Hold on, let me run the numbers. No. Not not based on money. That's not money's not everything. <laughs> no, I, Is I, there I, a story <laughs> to be told? I was right, I was I was ribbing the movie there when he's like, hold on, I think I think the trajectory is changing. Let me run the numbers. Oh my god, you're absolutely right. You you did this incredibly impossible math equation in a matter of minutes. He and had a slide out. rule. He had a slide rule. You work at a fucking Popeyes. Like, what what is that? She asked yeah. for a sandwich and he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he gives us our one F-bomb and it was like, Mwah! that was perfect. So no, no sequel, no sequel. Okay. All right. uh, 
I mean, you know, yeah, no. I don't need to see it. I, you know what? But if they can get the money to do it, bless their hearts. By all means. Mm-hmm. I thought, uh, despite what you were going into earlier, Chumpzilla, that there were a couple of good visuals in this movie. Um, I liked the gravity waves in particular. Uh, or when the, uh, the 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 oceans were being sucked up in pillars of water, as the the earth and the moon were sharing uh, atmosphere, mm-hmm. did did you guys like any of the visuals? Were there any cool action scenes from this movie that you enjoyed? Oh boy, that's tough. Uh, I guess the only thing I liked was when the the uh, whatever the bad thing is called. Uh, basically just went straight through the three astronauts faces when they sent their first like feeler out mission up there. Yeah. Yeah, Those guys did not fare well. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know that this might be a problem, even though they had mountains of evidence to say that it would be. Yeah. No, I mean, I think some of the space stuff was pretty solid, like for space horror movie stuff. It was okay. Like T-Dubs would agree. That's probably the, the best the movie looked. In general, yeah. like better the, than the Earthbound stuff. The, like, the Earthbound stuff gets pretty, pretty, pretty bad. It's, the there's end. some bad green yeah. screen stuff. Now, trust me, on this podcast, we see a lot of bad green screen stuff. That's we're not strangers to that. But yeah, I mean that. So, so to answer your question, there, uh, Doctor Bling. Uh, yeah, some of the space stuff was okay for me, but like none of it was super strong. It's, yeah, I mean, but it wasn't te- some of it wasn't terrible. Like you get uh, again, the best defense I can give this movie is you can see the money. They definitely spent the money. This was not, as far as I can tell, a money laundering exercise. No, they spent all 150 million dollars of that on their sound stages and green screens and computer people and cast. Like there's there's legit stars in this. Mm-hmm. There's names. I mean, even uh, you know, e- even John Bradley has to command some money after being Samuel. I mean, he's he's about as hot as he's ever going to be right now. And you know, Roland Emmerich is getting paid too. He ain't doing this for free. If only there was money left for a writer. <laughs> well, he wrote it, so he writes most of his own movies. Yeah, he he writes them all, baby. Yeah. I'm sure he only accepted the money to be the director. I feel like they have a silent benefactor that helped this get made. And that was Elon Musk, because this is the only say, movie dumb enough to talk about how cool he is twice. I don't, I don't know. know. Was it Elon I, I th- Musk or was it Satan? Uh, or Uva Bull. I can't think we can rule Uva Bull <laughs> out at this point. Listen, there's so much money to be made in the lucrative world of laundering Nazi gold through movies. <laughs> Got to melt a town and make nanobots out of it. Step one. <laughs> the moon is a giant butthole machine. Step two, Nazi gold. Step three, step profit. four, profit. I'm just saying Uva Bowl's fingerprints are all over this movie. Yeah. Step four, call Lionsgate. They will actually produce your movies. It has worked for me for years. <laughs> that that Lionsgate is anything. still a thing. I, they, like they had Hunger Games and they've been riding that the last decade and a half. Hey man, man they, made, they made the Man Thing movie. Man thing movie. I so said I'm pretty sure you made the man thing movie when we were in college, but all right. <laughs> oh, hey there. No, seriously. Lionsgate. 
man thing. It's a look it up. It's it's a fact. man thing, which brings us back to a recurring theme. Strip your linens, folks. Man versus moon. <laughs> We've established that that you guys didn't like any of the visuals in this movie, including the CGI glass face masks of the astronauts. Yeah, that's right. Their helmets didn't even have glass in them. They CGI'd in the glass and reflections so they could show space in them. Mm. Which actually, I think, lends credit to the actors' abilities. Uh, they were literally just in like a like a burnt-out Yugo surrounded by green screens, and they had to act. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I, I got to tell Halle you. Berry, was... Halle Berry has earned her Oscar. I haven't seen Patrick Wilson in that much ecstasy since the sex scene aboard Archimedes in Watchmen. That's how, Ooh, that's how boy, there we go. euphoric he was hot, to be in this movie. Hot. hot. You just take Ooh. a quick aside here uh, on top of our other asides. How lucky is Patrick Wilson? I feel like he's just lucked into some like just straight up money roles. He's not particularly great. Dude, or memorable. Dude, take take I, it right. Take it back. I, I, it back I really liked him in Watchmen. But like seriously, Aquaman, this that dude just I mean, to his credit, he's cashing some serious checks. He's a he's a great actor, also a hell of a singer. Watch him and Stephen Colbert do at the national anthem at the Mets game. Really? Oh, what a okay. The least voice. believable thing about this movie was Patrick Wilson singing off key in the first two minutes. Yeah, really? to a to a lyric everybody on the planet knows. I was I was very upset I about was that. Pretty pretty peeved that that was their main callback. You you're telling me you couldn't put the thing back in the script producing bot to get a better callback than okay, we'll just get bless the rains down in Africa wrong. Okay, yeah, right. and then we'll call back to that. Am I sleeping on Patrick Wilson's skills here? Is that what you're telling me? Watch it, dude. I'll share it okay. on the social. Okay, do it. I need to Magnificent see it. Magnificent voice. Not... Also, great actor. And he was in The Conjuring shit, which made boatloads of money for... Um, so much money. I've not seen those. I He was fine in Aquaman, but I I, I will say I did like him and watch him. But dude, I pulled down decent roles, man. Little uh, Children. Great. Albeit a slightly disturbing film, but very good. He's good in that. Check mm-hmm. that out. Is that the sequel to the kids under the stairs? No. Jackie Earl Haley's no. in it. Uh, Kate Winslet. It's a good movie, but there's some heavy themes in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna not talk about heavy themes. I'm gonna let you guys in a little secret about Bling Blake. Both my best ever karaoke performance and worst ever karaoke performance were of the same song and that song is africa by toto well so at one point you were patrick wilson then at one point butchers another another time i was like probably like patrick stevens who's nobody heard of because a hell's angel stabbed him in a bar for singing toto so badly Uh, isn't that what we should all aspire to those one day one day going be, out in a bar, be getting murdered by, by a one percenter, Hell's <laughs> Angel for singing Toto, just doing what I love. I mean, if I do get murdered for a bad karaoke performance, like please ensure that that goes on my gravestone, headstone, whatever it might be, or just say it when you scatter my ashes in a dirty movie theater in Reno, Nevada. Yeah, he missed <laughs> the rains down in Africa. <laughs> so we've established. 
that you guys didn't like any of the visuals in this movie, what was the worst? I feel like you can at least talk on this point. Okay. What was the worst thing you saw visually in this? So movie? I said the Earth stuff was particularly terrible. So during this car chase with the, with the, uh, you know, looters, the road begins to fissure at some point, and he is just bouncing from slab of concrete to slab of concrete. It made me so freaking mad. Wasn't that also stolen from 2012? Did they do that in 2012 yes, too? They did, sure they did that in other yeah. movies. When he was the limo driver? And Legolas's dumbass did it in that third Hobbit movie where the ice started falling. Like, that was dope. Damn it, that was no. dope. It was dope the first time I saw it. Maybe not the ninth. Uh, yeah, I, I hated that car chase. That was so dumb. Also, how did they find them at the place they went? I have so many questions. Yeah. Well, and, and to your point, T-Dubs, at that late in the movie, that, that just added to the ridiculous nature I, I i can't even tell you exactly when it was blame but there was like a couple of shots of like asteroids like stuff falling from the sky and it's just the green screen work was so bad and the background was so like generically apocalyptic it just like it felt like a sci-fi tv movie I'm going to say my least favorite visual element was the nanobot swarm. The mm. bad guys were a cloud. That's not super interesting. Seems and not be, a particularly interesting cloud. Was it that just Galactus, but not Pretty brown? Uh, or it was Iron Man's suits from the last couple of Avengers movies. I also hated that, for the record. The nanotech thing has just gotten so played out. It's played. So played, Jerry. Yeah. It's played, but I like the cool thing about a swarm of flying nanobots is that you can do anything with it, right? Like watch Big Hero Six. Yeah, you I can mean, do yeah, like anything, something like it's that. pretend, right? I mean, and it, why yeah, just make just... it a, a windsock that flies and smashes into shit and kills everything? Like yeah. do something cool, become a you Megatron gun. Like I didn't even think something. that they they pretty much did steal that from big uh from Big Hero Six, or even parts of Megamind, or and and it's terrible that 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 Disney and DreamWorks can do a nanobot antagonist better than the king of disaster flicks. Yeah, I'm the man who brought us Stargate. He's lost his mojo. So I'm going to ask a question. Is he the king of disaster flicks because he's made the best disaster flicks? Or is he the king of disaster flicks because he's the only one still making disaster flicks? I mean, at one point, it might have been because he made the best ones. At this point, it's because no one else is making them. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with Captain Cash. Also, how did he not get a call for San Andreas? That's like right in his wheelhouse. That wasn't I, him? I'm sure no, The Rock was, had his uh, own guy in mind. Wasn't that assumed. Brad Payton who did uh, Rampage as well? Uh, I think that's uh, Rampage is fun. Sounds right. Yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, he, he's clearly more of a, you know, a, a space level threat, not so much just earthquakes. He has to have a. He's an Avengers level threat. I'll yeah, agree. He, it has to be an, an extraterrestrial type event. So here is a disaster movie bonus question for you Who is the better conspiracy? 
theorist character the is Goldblum. That is it, it, it's Goldblum every it, time it's Goldblum. In a Roland Emmerich disaster flick, is it John Bradley as Casey Houseman or Woody Lebanon Warriors Harrelson in 2012? I don't know what his character's name is. The answer is always Woody. It's always Woody, right? It's Woody. I mean, I do have to give it to Woody. He was in my dream last night. Not in a sexual way, you preves. Uh, I mean, uh, Mel Gibson. I was the one who said I'd sleep with Idris Elba last week, so I don't, I'm not going to judge your Woody dreams. I don't think you guys were going to be doing sleeping in what you were describing. <laughs> 3,000 no, years good. of boning. Yeah. Is it, isn't that 2012? Isn't that the Mel Gibson Mayan movie? No, that's Apocalypto. <laughs> you've, got a, you've, you've got a gin dong in your body. How, how would that make any sense for 2012 to be the fucking Mayan movie? That's that's when the Mayan calendar I mean, I get the Mayan ends. calendar, but Apocalypto that's, is like literally about a tribe. That's the, that was the joke. 1400. It's, it's, it's Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, he knows who's really the blame. Mel Gibson, oh, stop no. it. God damn it. Like a dog with a bone tonight. All right. All right. Oh All right. This brings us to the final lingering question that I know you guys are dying to answer. And I have a feeling that I'm going to end up being one of the advocates in this trial. So question number five, is this the shit movie champion and does it deserve a trial? Um, I, I, I think as the current reigning shit movie champion with Home Sweet Home Alone, I think that's still the worst movie, quote unquote, we've done on the pod. I myself am volunteering this movie to take its place because at least Home Sweet Home Alone like tried at some level and it was a much, much smaller production. Like it was at least it tried to be a cute holiday uh, family film. And yes, it failed, but not like this movie failed. I feel like this movie was a bigger dumpster fire. Uh, but yes, I, I opened it up to the panel to uh, issue their own judgments. If I did not see Home Sweet Home Alone, so I don't feel prepared to make a call. Barely a movie. Uh, but it was also straight to streaming. Just it was. Disney plus exclusive and probably cost a one sixth to one eighth of this movie. I, I'm not going to argue with you, Chumsil. I think this is the worst movie we've done. At the very least, if we were going by year, I think this might even take 2023, not knowing what's coming next. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't bet against it. This is at least in a, in a top five-ish discussion, but I'm going to say it's the worst movie we've done for the sake of changing it up because Home Sweet Home Alone has been punished long enough. Mm. And this was directed by an author of some note and had a lot of money put into it and, and stars like yeah, legit and stars. stars and it a lot of money with real actors uh i have also not I, I admit i put home sweet home alone on for my children and then left the room and played video games in my office good call um best, and also best way to watch home sweet home alone shout out to mrs bling for buying me a ps5 for my birthday last week Ooh. oh my gosh yeah yeah i'm in the future now boys um uh, all right well i the i had so i can't argue really against uh home sweet home alone at all other than to say that at least i think this movie 
brought some epic scale and it was exactly what I was expecting out of it. Um, it was too long. It wasn't good. Uh, but I was not like, oh my God, I thought this was going to be some incredibly enlightening interstellar Christopher Nolan type flick. I knew what I was getting into and it delivered that I was definitely Googling, uh, moon conspiracy theories on my phone by the time I got to the end had to watch the end again uh, I, because I, I wasn't paying attention anymore I'll be honest with you uh, <clears throat> there Dr. Bling that's probably my biggest fear for this movie is that more people do what you've just described yeah start getting like, into moon conspiracy theories they, they are vast yeah. and wild uh, mm-hmm. the least of which is the, the hollow moon theory uh, so I leave it to you, Thunderous Wizard, as the Supreme Court Justice of the Pod, uh, for your ruling. I didn't mount a strong argument, but uh, do I we have a new shit movie champion? I think we do. I think it's time when a movie comes out that costs this much and fails this miserably, it has to uh, take precedent over a straight to streaming, like clear, you know. Hey, give kids something to sit down and watch thing. Yeah, I mean, that was basically like a... That's a DVD movie you would get in a Happy Meal. I just want to say at this point in time, then, uh, now that your judgment has been issued and we will respect the judgment of the court, it brings me so, so, so much pleasure to know that the first movie I get to host on the pod takes the cake as the shit movie champion and i think i think it may be usurped in a few short weeks when we get to my extreme flop and we will talk about that uh at the end here but oh uh, boy all right so deliver the belt to roland or patrick or whomever you'd like to deliver that belt to but uh, oh it's going straight to halle berry uh that takes us into our second break We're going to hear from our boy J-Man and our friends at the Double Turn Podcast, our brothers from another mother at Wobam Entertainment. We will catch you on the flip side. Hey everyone, it's the J-Man and I'm the host of the Double Turn Podcast. Every month, myself and a featured guest bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in the industry, or taking a look back at some of the greatest matches and moments in history. So check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And give us a follow on Twitter at TDT Wrestling Pod and on Instagram at The Double Turn Podcast. And don't forget to check out our home base at wabamentertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Welcome back. We are here discussing Moonfall, the 2022 epic disaster flick. And I'm not going to say if it's a disaster because of the flick or that it the subject is a disaster. I don't know. Either way, we are on to the trivia portion of the pod. We're going to call this the Superstructure Trivia Challenge. And tonight we've got our standard five-question multiple-choice format. Uh, tonight you will be playing, gentlemen, for a moon rock, a real one, that came back from Apollo 11. 
tits, which was already cool. But now we know that it most likely came from our mother planet far across the cosmos. Your chime-ins tonight will be, I love Elon, with some feeling behind it, please. Hmm. Or Fuzz Aldrin. Or anyone uh, I, of We didn't talk enough Fuzz about Aldrin. Fuzz Aldrin. I, I, that was my favorite joke. It was good. <laughs> I, I do love Fuzz Aldrin. I think that's a fantastic name. And uh, living in the town where, where Neil spent uh, about 40 years, I think it would be appropriate for my next putt, my next cat to be named Fuzz Aldrin as well. Of course, you may also use any of the pod stalwarts. I bid you good luck, gentlemen. Question number one. One piece of evidence used to suggest that the moon is artificial is the existence of solar eclipses. Eclipses are only possible because the sun is both exactly this many times larger than the earth and this many times further away than the moon. So the answer here is the same number for both of those blanks. Your choices are 200 times larger and 200 times further away, B, 300, C, 400, or D, 500. Buzz Aldrin. Captain Cash. 400. That is correct. Yeah, he says it in the movie, right? So yeah, he, he does. And I does. Googled it because I was like, is it really? Is it real? It, that sounds like something they could make up. And apparently, no. 400 it, times closer, that's a thing, times yeah. smaller. It really is, which is actually uh, a really Im impressive piece of evidence. And the only thing scientists have come up with to explain it is like, yeah, it's pretty fucking neat, right? That's all they got. Yeah. <laughs> I, a, that's how it works. It's coincidentally, it's about the size. You stick around long enough and the moon will look smaller. But that's where we're at right now. There's mm -hmm. also some pretty crazy... Uh, um, coincidences and like ratios that I think like maybe it's just some conspiracy theory math where they make things all work out, but uh, research the number 108. You will find yourself going down a rabbit hole at some point. Oh no, Question. I saw what this did to Jim Carrey in that movie. Yeah, 23. Yeah. Oh no, I'm good. Oh yeah. Question number two. Apollo astronauts conducted seismic experiments on the moon. During Apollo 12, NASA intentionally crashed part of its booster assembly into the moon, which resulted in a massive impact that was picked up by the seismic instruments. These moonquakes lasted much longer than terrestrial earthquakes and were picked up for hours after the impact, leading scientists to remark that the moon rang like a bell for hours. What? were these long quakes eventually attributed to by the conventional scientific community? A, that bitch is hollow. B, water in the Earth's crust absorbs a lot of seismic energy resulting in shorter quakes. C, moon quakes are much shallower than those occurring on Earth, resulting in longer seismic activity. Or D, the abundance of titanium in the moon's crust causes seismic vibrations to continue much longer than they would on Earth. I love Elon. 
Chumpzilla. I believe it's B. That is correct. The B. moon is dry as a motherfucker. The moon is dry and brittle as opposed to the Earth's uh, malleable and waterlogged interior or crust, rather. Uh, that results in a lot of seismic, seismic activity. Being Just absorbed. like Captain Cash's butthole after a Gerard Butler movie. So it, it has become damp and soaking wet. It's become abundantly clear to me that because I put myself guys... at Gerard Butler movies. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, in it's anticipation. Uh, yeah. It's become abundantly clear to me that you guys also got bored in the third act of this film and started Googling moon conspiracy theories. Well done, boys. <laughs> I appreciate your efforts here. I'm very proud of you. All right. Getting away from moon science, we have our third question. At $150 million, Moonfall is one of the most expensive indie films ever made. What? is the most expensive. Your choices are, A, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Yeah. B, Star Wars, The Attack of the Clones. That's right. Lucasfilms was still an independent operation at that point in time. C, The Shape of Water. Or D, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, uh, Fuzz Aldrin, thunderous wizard. It would have to be uh, Attack of the Clones because that costs way more than the last two. That is incorrect. Chumpzilla or Captain Cash, would you like to steal Fuzz Aldrin, Captain Cash, Valerian, the City of a Thousand Planets? That is correct. Ice. Valerian, the city of a thousand planets, clocked in at two hundred and five million dollars. Is that is that the Tom Hanks one? It no. might as well have been. That one is terrible as well. That's called uh, something. Somebody help me out on that. But uh, so, yeah, Cloud Atlas. Thank you, Cloud Atlas. Also so, starring Halle Berry. Is 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 this the one with uh, uh, what's his face in it? Magic it has, Light. It has people in it. No, well, that you think is Jupiter, uh, Jupiter ascending. ascending, which is still want to do that. Awful. awful. Th those and are I'm three different. Those are three different movies. Yes, Captain Cash. I saw. Oh, I saw Jupiter ascending in the theaters uh, on a snow day here in Lebanon, Ohio. So nice. Um, Star Wars: Attack of the Clones clocked in at one hundred and twenty million dollars. Mm. The Shape of Water, which uh, is one of the highest grossing indie films of all time. Came in only twenty million dollars. That, that, that was that's, not expensive. That, Five million no. of that's in the the fish man suit. Is, is it, exactly. That, that, that's Peter Jackson, right? No. That no. that's Guillermo Abe Sapien gets laid, right? Laid oh, Sapien. That's, uh, yes. Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Yeah. And holy shit, Sorry. I just looked up Valerian, and I forgot that's the Dane DeHaan and uh, uh -huh. Enchantress uh -huh. movie. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 That Cara movie. Delamain. Luke Besson directed that, you know, Fifth Element. Oh, Fifth Element, yeah. Nobody it, saw it, that it, movie. It's because of its budget, it is a bigger flop than Moonfall. Wow. So I guess the moral of the story is uh, don't make expensive indie films because ain't nobody going to go see them. Terminator 2 Judgment Day only cost $102 million to make. Which 
still adjusted for inflation is probably right up there with Valerian and the city of a thousand yeah, but planets still, but it's a dope-ass movie i gotta say to give uh <clears throat> to give t-dubs his credit probably the best action movie of all time it's right up there all right your fourth question for the night roland emmerich despite being debatably a hack has hmm. definitely had success as a filmmaker and certainly in the disaster movie genre Moonfall was by far his biggest flop. And we all know that Independence Day was his greatest success, bringing in north of $800 million, which is almost $1.5 billion if adjusted for inflation. What was his second highest grossing movie? Your choices are A, The Day After Tomorrow. B, Godzilla, the bad one. C, Stargate or D twenty twelve? Buzz Aldrin. Hmm. Captain Cash. Twenty twelve. Captain Cash with running away with it right now. Locking wow. it down. Twenty twelve yeah. yeah, is correct. Twenty twelve brought in seven hundred and ninety one million dollars. Uh, I was it not Midway? Uh, Midway didn't even make the cut. It was. Uh, I have it somewhere here. No, yeah, it's on my other notepad. Um, Day after tomorrow uh, was five hundred and fifty-two million dollars. Godzilla brought in three hundred and seventy-nine million. So adjusted for inflation, would actually be well up there. Yeah, um, that's still disappointing. That Godzilla, movie. damn. I thought that made more than that. A lot of people went and saw it, and so mm-hmm. ultimately, as much as y'all we hate it, uh, that is a a successful film for Roland. It, oh, it was it was the, when they promoted the hell out of that man. I I still remember the Taco Bell cups, and as you indicated, I think before the pod started, the uh, the Puff Daddy crossover. It's a great song, man. Puff mm-hmm. Daddy, Led Zeppelin, an orchestra. It's great. Uh, and Stargate brought in $197 million, which of the list is probably my favorite one of these movies. It had the best TV show. Despite the only TV show out of this, but yeah. at least like didn't they make two TV shows out of that? Oh, yeah, at least. Question number five. It is Captain Cash with two, Thunderous Wizard, none, and Chumpzilla has one. There are no bonus questions tonight, boys. Oh, so boy. Captain Cash, you can win this. But Chumzilla, if you can get one here, you guys are splitting that moon rock in half, which might be a federal crime. I'm not sure. Okay, don't tell anybody. Number five, despite being a total bomb, Moonfall finished second at the box office its opening weekend with almost a $10 million take. Which movie beat it? A, Spider-Man No Way Home. B, Jackass Forever. C, Scream, or D, Sing 2? I love you, Elon. Chumpzilla, for half of a moon rock. I don't think it's Scream, because it's it's too early. This came out in April. It is Jackass Forever. Going with B, Jackass Forever? That is correct, sir. You yes! have yourself half a moon rock. Boom! Half that moon rock, baby. Sorry, Captain Cash. That's a, listen, me moon rock, S Sue moon rock. Let's split 
this bitch. Grasses. Technically, I think it's me that's committing the federal crime by breaking it in half and shipping it across state lines. Just don't tell Fuzz Aldrin, and it's going to be cool. He'll be so disappointed. He won't even be mad. He'll just look at us and just... And judge. Yeah. And judge. Yes. Uh, Jackass Forever doubled the take of Moonfall with $23 million in this first week. That's incredible. Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> came in a very close third with $9.5 million in its eighth week in the theaters. Yeah. Scream was in its fourth week and made 4.7. And Sing 2 brought in $4.2 million in its seventh week at the theaters. So not a lot that Moonfall was going up against. Uh, the fact that Jackass took it by, by double when pretty much nobody under 17 could go see that movie. Uh, it's pretty impressive, honestly. And you'd think Jackass was played out by that. But uh, I think people our age all lined up to go see Johnny Knoxville do it one more time. Yeah, let's put it this way. I don't think we'll see another Jackass movie. <laughs> I, I think that demographic is aged out. And by that demographic, I mean ourselves. Ourselves. And yeah. the people that do it. I mean, Johnny Knoxville's 50. Oh, yeah. They're like old as shit. Well, that concludes the quiz portion of the evening. And that, gentlemen, brings us to recommendations. So what do you have on tap for us this week? Chumpzilla, we'll let you kick us off. Outstanding. Uh, so first off, do not watch this movie. It is terrible. Um, but instead, I'm going to offer you another movie that features Halle Berry. And what I'm telling you, folks, is you should watch 1993's CB4 instead. Oh, great uh, this, movie. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's really an underrated comedy classic. Uh, this Chris Rock vehicle crawled so Friday could run a couple of years later, 95. It's directed by Tamara Davis, who also directed Half-Baked, Billy Madison, and it's also the feature film debut of the late Charlie Murphy. And of course, listeners, it is free on Tubi. So check it out. CB4, a much more entertaining Halle Berry film. She's like in literally one scene as a cameo, but don't, don't worry. Chris Rock's in it. It's great. CB4, check it out. Great film. Great film. Captain Cash, what do you have for us tonight? So... When this podcast comes out on the Friday, you can watch the next episode of Last of Us early. So I'm going to say watch Last of Us at 9 o'clock tonight. It's so good. It, I'm having a lot of fun. It. I am annoyed that they took the scene that was set in Pittsburgh and moved it to Kansas City. This is mm -hmm. Yinza Razor, and I don't care for it. But at the same time, it, it, it was a very good show. They did skip it, but I think when they were driving across the country, they gave us a shot of them crossing the river somewhere near Pittsburgh. Yeah, I it think. looked like the bridge. I couldn't tell if it was if it was there or closer to like Wheeling, West Virginia. It was somewhere in there. They are crossing the Ohio, I believe. Uh, and I've having driven from the East Coast to the Midwest about a bajillion times, uh, it looked pretty familiar. But man, they. They dump that CGI on there to, to age it and make it look cool. But what a great show. I, I am just loving it. Uh, I'm totally with you there. Thunderous Wizard, what do you have for us tonight? Well, 
as I said, I've been consuming a lot of media, so I can give like a see it, skip it for you of a few. Uh, Ticket to Paradise with George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Skip it, because it is as predictable as the trailer. Yes, everything that happens, happened like that is the movie. Exactly Ouch. what you'd expect. They try to break up the wedding, they feel bad about it, they fall in love again. The movie. Why yeah. is that so bad? Why is it so bad to get I, what you expect? Why is that well, such a, a criminal offense in you, your guys' book? I don't you get just, it. You just don't need to watch it. If you love George Clooney, if you're a Clooney completionist, watch it. It's he's charming in it. But I'm gonna drink yeah. Casa Amigos and watch that movie. Don't yeah. think I won't. So uh sick, which you can stream on Peacock, all on Ticket to Paradise, also on Peacock, uh, is a pandemic-centric horror movie, slasher that I found to be pretty good. A couple of cool kills in there. So see it. It's free. In a Valley of Violence, free on Netflix. It's a small Western movie directed by Ty West, who you'd probably know now from Pearl and X. Uh, It stars my boy, John Travolta, and Ethan Hawke, and uh, Karen Gillan's in it. Uh, James Ransone from uh, Adult Eddie and It Chapter 2. And uh, watch it, because I love Westerns, and also, it's it's a little bit of a action, but also a little bit black comedy. And Travolta's pretty hammy and great in it. So, and it's nice to see him in a movie that doesn't suck. And it was released in almost no theaters, so it made no money. But yeah, watch um, it. I, that I seems it. like a bit of a sleeper. Oh, and here, read it. Danny Trejo's autobiography. Uh, very interesting read. Uh, he's a very inspiring dude and uh, very easily could have been dead at a young age or in prison for the rest of his life and then spent like the next six decades helping people through treatment and recovery and just being an all-around excellent dude and i think that book came out a couple years ago but i I just finished reading it and i highly recommend it seems like an awesome guy hey t-dubs i watched a documentary that he participated in where he sort of shared like i'd probably say like 50% 50% of his like life story. It wasn't like super in depth, but it was very interesting because that dude's got a great story to tell. Yeah, he's in it. He's pretty inspiring. it's pretty intense. Yeah. I will never so. forget the first time I saw him in uh From Dust Till Dawn, another George Clooney classic. Uh yeah, man. Trejo is the bomb. My buddy just met him recently at his restaurant in LA. And granted, he was there. Trejo's like, tacos. Yeah. And he was there uh, doing something for the business, obviously. So, of course, he was nice to everybody, but he yeah, was just like, dude, he's a saint. He made he's a real everyone. Dude. Well, uh, word is he's there quite often because he likes that aspect. He likes to, you know, meet people and, and talk to people. He's like a very social guy. And, yeah, he likes people to know that, like, yeah, I, this isn't just something I put my name on. So, yeah, he's got a cook. It's cool. So. And uh, his chef, uh, I believe, just won or came runner-up uh, in uh, uh, Hell's Kitchen. Uh, that, that's who he has working in the, the restaurant there. So apparently check out Trejo's tacos. tacos. Let's go to L.A. Yeah. and go to Trejo's Tacos, boys. Yeah, I'm on some barbacoa now. I'm, I'm starving. Let's go. My recommendation tonight is another dumb Roland Emmerich film that I personally enjoy that T-Dubs shit on earlier in the, the show oh, tonight. Don't tell me it's Godzilla. And that is 2009's <laughs> 2012. Oh, thank God. <laughs> John Cusack, Woody Harrelson, and a host of others, including Danny George Glover Soros. As the goddamn president. Danny Glover's the president. 
Predator 2, Danny Glover is the president. They navigate the end of the world. It's dumb. It's rolling. It's not particularly good, but it's a really fun ride for a winter afternoon when you have a six-pack and nowhere to go. Um, I'm sure you all hate it too, but I don't care. I love terrible movies. I'm on a podcast dedicated to bad movies, and you can't be surprised when I like shitty movies. So there you go. We're not shocked. I just want you to know, Dr. Bling, that George Soros paid me to like 2012. So He's paid say. a lot of people to do a lot of things, and they're a lot worse than liking a dope-ass action movie. So, Okay. All right. Remember, folks, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find the Thunderous Wizard on Twitter at Writer TLK. Captain Cash is at C-A-P-T. C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Chumpzilla can be found at Chumpzilla8 on Twitter. Mayor McCheese, if he can be found at all, is on HBOF McCheese on Twitter. He is on a long sabbatical right now, chasing the Hamburglar and Grimace across the Wild West. We will see if we can find him again before too long. And I myself can be found at Bling Blake on Twitter. Please check out Wobam Entertainment uh, at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T and WobamEntertainment.com. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and, and subscribe, and connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. We are a lonely bunch and pretty much only talk to each other on the social, so it would be great to have a few more folks in the mix We need to get out of our echo chamber. In the end, listeners, remember one thing. The moon is not made of cheese or beer or beer cheese, but it is a giant superstructure just waiting to kill us all. We will see you next week for our first installment of Hops and Extreme Flops when Thunderous Wizard brings us the Cincinnati-based rollerblading classic, Airborne. Nuke the moon! Boom! <laughs> <laughs>